Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation. I am Trey Downey, one of your hosts, and the Martez half of this duo. That is the one, the only, Lynn Martez. Lynn, it is 4th of July, Independence Day weekend. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. Ready to barbecue and roast you while we do this podcast. Oh goodness, I'm gonna I need to prepare to get to get roasted today. Like roasted, the, uh, like the corn in the cob. I'm gonna put on the put on the grill tomorrow to get get nice and charred tomorrow afternoon. Uh, not a big corn on the cob guy. Not a corn on the cob guy on the grill, no, man. Just get that really. char on no, there. No, not really. Yeah, we got it's corn okay. on the cob. We got burgers going tomorrow. Pasta yeah, salad. Give me everything else. Give me everything else. My corn mom's making a flag egg. cake. Maybe some fireworks if Presley don't get too scared. Should be a, a good... Uh, dad gets too scared. Yeah, good weekend here at the Downey House. But Lynn was talking about other people uh, getting roasted. Today on the podcast was Bruce Arians roasted uh, by some publications this week when they put out their list of the top 10 head coaches in the NFL. One of them, Bruce Arians, was not on that list. Last week, we were talking about Tom Brady and his rankings among quarterbacks. This week, we're going to talk about Bruce Arians. And then we've got three weeks till Buccaneers training camp commences at the Advent Health Training Center. And we will talk about the other teams in the NFC South. and. Uh, you know, the changes they've made this offseason and where we're looking towards them heading into training camp and then further into the season. And we will start today with the Atlanta Falcons. But before we get to all of that, just your quick social reminder here at the top of the show, follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmart810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience. And as always, follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore nation and check out BucksNation.com for the latest news and notes and analysis for everything involving your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And wherever you're listening to this podcast, Spotify, Apple, iHeart, Google Play, wherever, hit that subscribe button. And if you're on Apple, leave us a review. It helps with the algorithms on that Apple podcast app so as many people as possible see this and listen to this show. But Lynn, let's get into it. Let's talk Bucks first before we get into the Falcons and the NFC South. Let's talk about another list. I know you love these lists that people make when they get bored, but CBS Sports this past week put out their list of the top 10 head coaches in the NFL. Bill Belichick, number one, I don't think anybody can dispute that. Bruce Arians was in their top 10 towards the end of that top 10 at number eight behind a couple of coaches that haven't won a Super Bowl, including Sean McVay of the Los Angeles Rams. But then when that happened, Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk quote tweeted that tweet and sent out his own list of the top 10 coaches in the NFL. And Bruce Arians was missing on that list because his top 10 is as follows. Bill Belichick, Sean Payton, Mike Tom, 
this is why I don't like lists because you're, you're boring me. I'm being, I'm getting bored just going through this list. Hey, Look. I got seven: Pete Carroll, John Harbaugh, Andy Reid, and then boring. here those those six coaches. If you want to put them ahead of Bruce Arians, fine. But then you've got Kyle Shanahan, Ron Rivera, Matt Lafleur, Mike Zimmer, and then Arians was the last guy that Florio put on the fringe of this list. And snooze fest. You can, you can either go here, here nor there with, with, with this list, but I do want to look at where the Bucks. Here's where we go with the list. Here's where you go with the list. Where would you rank Bruce Arians as far as head coaches in the NFL? I don't care about anybody else's list. Like I said, boring. No, there's a but, reason why, there's a reason why I don't like lists, whether it be on a podcast or whether it be on sports radio. There's a reason why I don't like lists. One of the reasons why I don't like lists is because you committed the most cardinal sin of all lists, and that is to run it down one by one. It was a top 10 list, Lynn Martez. It wasn't even The biggest question is, where would you rank Bruce Arians when it comes to NFL coaches? Of course. Would you rank him ahead of some of these guys on the list? I don't want to hear one through 10. I don't care about one through 10. Yes, I would. I think I would put, I think right now, Oh, you! Oh no, you were right. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. yeah, yeah. So I think I think I put, especially now that he has a Super Bowl, based on his past, what he did in Indianapolis, what he did in Arizona, and now winning a Super Bowl with with the Buccaneers. I think I put Bruce Arians number five. Of course, you would. Not only that, not only besides, and then you'll get people to go, "Oh, well, he won a Super Bowl because he had Tom Brady." Hello, he's only one of two men active that have won coach of the year twice in two different places, by the way, Belichick active one more than once coach of the year. Bruce Arians is the only head coach to win it more than once in two different places. And not even with his current team that he won a Super Bowl with. Exactly. Granted, he won a Super Bowl with Tom Brady and you can go down the line and and listed things and the reasons why the Bucks won a Super Bowl. And you can you can shortchange Bruce Arians all you want. Bottom line is he's better than he was a year ago. You want to know why? Because he won a Super Bowl. And again, that's why that's the main question. I don't care about the list. The main question is where would you and I rank Bruce Arians when it comes to being a head coach in the NFL? And not only that, do we think the people that don't list them in the top 10? crazy and i'll tell you myself yes you're crazy if you don't list bruce arians a top 10 head coach in the nfl and we know how personal tom brady takes everything by the way that it's it's a lot of people are reporting now that lit that uh mystery team that we talked about last week you threw this team out there at the very end this is just a quick aside a lot of people are saying it was Tannehill and the titans i didn't think that Brady would say that after just getting beat by them. But heck, if it comes out in the future from Brady's mouth, that that's true. Wow. It's not, it's trust me. It's not an, I told you so moment for me because I threw out a bunch of teams. Yeah. But I did say, I, I did say it could have been the team that ended the season at Gillette stadium, but be that as it may, some probably even, even shortchanging Bruce. Um, I'm sorry, Bill Belichick now, because of not having Tom and whether or not Tom was the reason why. Exactly. But whether or not Tom was the reason why they won as much as they did in New England. 
And the people that do that are either too young to remember the first season that Bill won a Super Bowl there, or they're just playing out dumb. And they can't remember that the fact that that, one, that first season, they won their Super Bowl. The first time that Tom won a Super Bowl, he was the afterthought of that team. Yeah. The bottom line, as great as he is, and he is the GOAT, you can argue what you want to argue about when it comes to Tom Brady. But when it comes to winning the first Super Bowl he won, he was an afterthought of that football team. When we even got, when you even get into the second two that they won, 38 and 39 against the Panthers and against, uh, and 39 when they beat Donovan McNabb and the Eagles in Jacksonville, the defense was still probably the strength of those teams. The Bucks. But then, so, that, so then you, then let me ask you then, why do people start change Bill Belichick? Because that's just a, because of where Brady is now and uh, saying that the quarterback is the greatest is just, is just a sexy thing to do. And because, obviously- because to me, I mean, when it comes to adjust, adjustments in the second half and the things that he does, I, I, who do I rank ahead of anyone else? Who do I rank ahead of Bill Belichick? Think about all the times that we've sat around and we've discussed Super Bowl predictions when the Pats were in the Super Bowl and how we tried to choose other teams before we chose them and how many times they made us look bad. Whether it was the Atlanta Falcons, granted, they were up 28-3, they lost. Whether it was the Rams, who were shut down offensively by Bill Belichick and the Patriots. There have been plenty of times where we've tried to pick against the Patriots, and what did they do? They went out and won. And, yeah, you can talk about it being partly about the quarterback, but, dang, if I'm not going to give Bill Belichick his due and say he's still the top coach in the NFL. Of course, and it's – I mean, the guy went 11 and five with Matt Castle as his starting quarterback. Granted, they didn't make the playoffs that year because of crazy circumstances, but Bill Belichick has still done a ton in this league. And this is with, uh, other than Josh McDaniels coming back, he's had a lot of coordinator uh, turnover in his tenure in New England. You can even go back to the beginning when Charlie Weiss left for Notre Dame, Romeo Cornell uh, left. I mean, so many of these guys. Uh, that are under the Belichick coaching tree uh, to varied amounts of success, but it's not like he has kept the same core group together. McDaniels and McDaniels even left in the middle of it. So, and ironically, with the exception of maybe Charlie Weiss, or actually, you know what? No, I think he actually falls into the same category too. What do they usually all do? Come back. Yeah. Romeo Cornell went back. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Patricia is going back. Yep. Charlie Weiss has probably gone back. As you mentioned, Josh McDaniels, who left, came back, couldn't decide if he wanted to be a head coach. I don't think I'll just stay here in the wiggly. Yeah, those guys don't leave him. For all the talk about how, and again, not a Pats fan. I'm just respecting what they've done up in, in Foxborough the last mm-hmm. two decades. But for all the talk about how it's not fun up there and it's not this and it's not that, boy, a whole lot of people continue to go back there. <laughs> yep. For sure. So it, I definitely Bill Belichick number one for me. But the thing that's interesting about this whole scenario, what we saw last week with Brady and then what we're talking about now with Bruce is everybody ranked this offseason as great for the Buccaneers. They won the Super Bowl 
last year. And if and people pointed to Tom Brady as the biggest reason why they won why they won that Super Bowl. And Bruce Arians was also a big part of that as being the coach that was able to talk Tom Brady into coming to Tampa Bay. If the Bucs were as good as they were in that playoff run last year, and they had a fringe top 10 quarterback and a fringe top 10 coach, two, I don't understand how you can look at this team and look at what they did and think that. And you want to talk about putting a chip back on these guys' shoulders? Obviously, they're going to be motivated no matter what. But Tom Brady, obviously, like Mike, like we saw in the last dance, everybody's, and I took that personally, the Michael Jordan meme that's everywhere. You don't think that these, obviously, I don't think either of them are getting on Twitter and vanity searching or anything like that. But these type of things make it back to these guys. And you want to say it's, it's not their ultimate motivating factor. They just want to win. But they're going to be like, oh, this is what you think of me? Okay, we'll show you. And that's what makes greatness, great players, great people in any profession great is that they can take the smallest thing and turn it into motivation. And to me, it's, it's just a little even disrespectful. I don't know if that's too strong of a word, but the way that the Bucks are being viewed this offseason, yes, the whole team as a whole did great, but fringe top 10 quarterback, fringe top 10 coach, why are you winning Super Bowls then? Yeah, I will agree with you when it comes to them finding these these type of things out because it gets back to them. I mean, you 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 saw the the HBO the shop and and how you know Tom was open about. And th- don't get me wrong, some of that's you know for the the viewers and for mm-hmm. people that are actually going to watch that, obviously, because Tom probably doesn't talk like that all the time. Um, but in that circle and in that environment, you know, he let us. You know, he let his hair down a little bit and came at you a little bit in regards to what he said as far as the team sticking with their quarterback and, and not choosing him, not to pursue him. But as far as things getting back to players and coaches, absolutely, it certainly does. Now, whether or not it affects a head coach like Bruce as much as, as it affects players, I could honestly say my guess would be that Bruce probably not paying that much mind. Because he's gotten what he's wanted as far as a head coach is concerned. The ultimate is to win a Super Bowl, and he's done that. Now, obviously, to stay hungry, you want a second one. But as far as the players are concerned, and you mentioned, you know, Tom not being ranked in the top 10, Chris Sims' list. Um, I don't know that Tom's throwing dots at, at Chris Sims' face, at, 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 you know, as, at, at the plush uh, Brady household, Brady Bunchin household somewhere in his little uh, man cave, but I'm sure he's probably thinking in terms of, yeah, Chris, <laughs> I see you. I see you. Um, Cause he is still in the top 10. We've already went through that list. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there'll, there'll be a time where we'll actually find out that that was that motivation that somebody, you know, was disrespecting you. Listen, Tom's probably had it since he left New England because people were, people were thinking he was done there. Thinking about the last pass that he threw in New England and the, the sure. Patriots uniform, you know, pick six, uh, Logan Ryan runs it in against the Titans. We mentioned about it earlier. People back then were talking about how he could run or 20, 
throw for 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns. So I would like to think that a year ago, that was part of the motivation. Maybe not whole motivation because he wants to be a professional and he wants to bring his best all the time. But certainly, as you mentioned, there's probably a little chip on his shoulder back then when he was getting ready for the 2020 season. People were thinking like he's going to his second team and people were thinking, and I know you're too young to remember the stuff like this, but when Joe Montana and Joe Namath, Hall of Fame quarterbacks went to the second teams at the end of their careers, they weren't, they weren't like this. They didn't put up 40 touchdowns or they didn't put up their second highest touchdowns amount in their career. They I were mean, on the Peyton, back end. Peyton Manning had one good year, and that's the closest thing I can really compare it to. He had one great year in Denver, but the year that they won the Super Bowl, he was getting benched for performance to Brock Osweiler. So, And, and, and he had more interceptions and touchdowns at the yep. end of the year. So that's, that's what, that's what you're looking at when it comes to Tom, Tom's like, Tom wants to avoid that at all costs. He doesn't want to go out like that. He doesn't want to go out where where you're going to have to come get me as opposed to Mm -hmm. leaving on his own terms. So that's his motivation. And Chris Sims adds to it. It's a little gas on a fire. No, for sure. I completely agree with you. And obviously I think it's more towards the Tom Brady sense of things than Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians obviously seems more like a guy that just re- lets these things roll off his back. But I mean, if pro, pro football talk uh, calls and wants uh, Bruce to be a guest on Florio's show, I wouldn't be surprised for Bruce to throw a, a snide remark or something like that uh, at Florio. Should they, should they talk at some point this season? Oh, well, listen, the, the there'll be conversations if he were to accept there'll be prep and conversations prior to him going on with Florio in regards to what pro football talk has been saying about the Bucks, and, you know, the PR department, like any other PR department prepares whomever they work with and for, for their interviews. Hey, this might come up. What's that? The fact that you're not on this, you know, you're not on this top uh, 10 list regards to head coaches in the NFL. Oh, or Mike came out with this list, but you're not on the top 10, Bruce, just in case you might want to bring it up or if he brings it up. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I don't think that it would, it would probably go by the wayside. I, I think it'd probably be talked about. But when it comes to a grown head coach that's been in this business 35, 40 years and has got his Super Bowl and is trying to get another one, and for the most part, we're thinking in terms of how much longer he's going to be a head coach. Bruce ain't letting that sweat him, man. Not at all. And we can go through, we can go through the names that he's probably better than and why you would sure. think Floyd will have those guys ahead of him. But I mean, just generally speaking, what the hell? All due respect to Mike Zimmer, but what the hell, what would give you the reason to rank Bruce, Mike Zimmer ahead of Bruce Arians? That's what I said when you when, when you wanted to run down the top ten list. I'm like, no, because I don't want to hear those guys ahead of him. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to hear those guys. Dude. I mean, look, Matt Lafleur. Matt Lafleur is number nine, who Bruce Arians just beat with with the Packers and the NFC Not only that, not team. only did he beat him because and he has like one year killed. of experience. Not only, not only the fact that he beat him. Not only the fact that he beat him in Lambo, by the way. Not only the fact that he beat him, because there's a lot of things that goes into winning that football game. But he beat him when the head coach who's ranked ahead of him made a blunder 
of a coaching decision and decided to kick a field goal yep. instead of going for seven with the MVP as his head, as his quarterback. But you want to rank that guy ahead of Bruce Arians? Come on, man. Get out of here with that crap. Completely agree. The disrespect for the Bucks continues, but not here in Tampa Bay. But now let's talk about the teams that the Bucks will have to compete with twice this season. We'll preview each of the teams as we lead up to training camp. And we'll start with the last place team in the division last year. And let's start, Lynn, with the Atlanta Falcons. A big season, a big off season for Atlanta. Dan Quinn obviously was fired during the regular season last year. Raheem Morris was not retained as head coach. Dirk Cutter retires, so offensive coordinator gone there. Julio Jones, one of the biggest weapons on this team, gone. Alex Mack, gone. Their uh, Pro Bowl starting center, Keanu Neal, gone as well. Uh, Yes, they got Kyle Pitts in the draft, but I think when talking about the Atlanta Falcons and their offseason and where they go moving forward, I think we have to talk about the new head coach that they brought in, Arthur Smith from the Tennessee Titans. And you and I have had debate upon debate as far as what the Tennessee Titans offense looked like in recent years. They got the job done, but Arthur Smith, he doesn't have a Derrick Henry in Atlanta. He has a team still with a former MVP quarterback in Matt Ryan. You still have Calvin Ridley, and now you have Kyle Pitts. How do you expect the Atlanta Falcons offense to look different? Because what we've seen from Dirk Cutter uh, here in Tampa Bay and when he was in Atlanta the first time and when he was in Atlanta the second time, pretty pass-heavy offense. That's not really what Arthur Smith did in in, uh, Tennessee that earned him a head coaching job. Well, he better adapt quickly because – What's the old saying? Adapt or die. And I don't yeah. mean, I mean, metaphorically, I mean, from the standpoint of your football team's record is going to die. If you think that you're going to run the football like you ran it in Tennessee, in Atlanta, who's their running back? They brought in Mike, Mike Davis. Davis. Yeah. Thank you very much. Mike Davis. God bless Mike Davis. But he's good a good fantasy a second, pickup. Good handcuffs for uh, string, Christian he's McCaffrey. He's a second string. He's a second stringer. No, he's, I agree. He's a you. number two. He's a number two guy. He's not a number one guy on a winning football team. He's just a guy. And like I said, no disrespect to him, but when you're playing fantasy football, if you want to pick up Mike Davis because he's a starting running back on a football team in the NFL, God bless you. But the bottom line is he's probably not going to be that productive behind that offensive line that is suspect. You mentioned miss, uh, losing Alex Mack, who was – the cornerstone and the center on that on the offensive line. And the fact that when you lose one of the biggest threats and you can talk about Julio Jones being in decline, all that teams still had the game plan on Sundays for him. Granted, he missed a lot of time last year, which pushed Calvin Ridley to being a 1300 yard receiver. But that in itself tells you, okay, now you've got the real number one in Calvin Ridley. But who else do you have? So you have a suspect running game. You really don't have a number one running back. And now you're still trying to figure out who your number two wide receiver is. Maybe uh, Russell, Russell Gage, Gage maybe? Yeah. Okay, that's fine. 
But still, he's unproven. He hasn't shown you he's a, he's a number two. He was, the true number two was Calvin, who's now pushed to the number one. Or is and, it Kyle Pitts? I mean, even though he's he's a tight end, is that really your second option on offense? He's probably your second option, but you're asking a rookie to come into this league and all of a sudden, you know, put up close to a thousand yards. And tight ends just don't do that. Whether whether you are the 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 uh, superhuman alien that Kyle Pitts is said to be, that doesn't happen that often. It's probably going to take him a couple of years to be one of the most productive tight ends in the NFL with all comparisons to, to uh, George Kittle and Kelsey. You, you're, asking, you're asking Kyle Pitts to come into the league and produce those, those guys did. They didn't do it when they came into the league. And they, and they started off, at least, at least Travis Kelsey did, on better football teams. No, I'm with you. I mean, they do have, they do have Hayden Hurst, which is a solid option at, at tight end as well, which makes me think, especially with playing with playing uh, or trading Julio Jones. And the talk was, will Kyle Pitts kind of play wide receiver in the NFL? I think because they have Hurst, I think that we will see Pitts a lot, not attached to the offensive line as a rookie. I don't necessarily think that, you know, we, classify him as a uh as a wide receiver but i do think we'll see him split out it's gonna he's gonna have to be a a big option for this team to be to be successful and i mean obviously their defense isn't you know what it was when they were going when they were going to the super bowl they still have grady jarrett anchoring in, in the middle of the defense and a guy that they did bring back and will probably start on this defensive line in 2021 is Dante Fowler, who in 2019, when he was with the Rams, I was like, wow, this is the guy that was the number three overall pick in the NFL draft. Last year, he had three sacks with the Atlanta Falcons. So uh, which Dante Fowler is going to show up this year? He didn't have Aaron Donald. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah. Because there's a guy number 99 that sucks up blockers. And all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, when you get that big old fat roll of money in that in that contract, and you go somewhere else where all of a sudden you're getting hit more than you did when you were in LA, all of a sudden those sacks come hard to come by. Not the checks. You're still getting that money. But the sacks come hard to come by. Here's the thing about when we talk, what we talked about when it comes to the offense, the offense is probably the, the bright side of this football team, believe it or not. As much as we talked about them not having a running game and having a, a number two wide receiver, at least right now, as we go into the season 2021, and the offensive line is a question mark, the defense is a bigger question mark, bigger than all the other things. When they were in there, when they were in their heyday, listen, the last decade, the, the, the Falcons have, have won double digits three times in the last decade. They won a division a couple of times. Their defense in the last 10 years has been in the single digits, top 10, three times. It's usually, it's usually low teens to even somewhere in the 20s anyway when they've won when they've won, that defense has never been a staple to their football team because they put up, think about it, they put up 400 points and allowed 300. It was yep. about the offense, not the defense. It's never been 
about the defense. They may have had players that made plays on that defense, but when it came to the whole structure of the defense, it was never a top 10 defense. Like I said, three times they squeaked in the top 10 in the last decade. For the Atlanta Falcons to surprise and be successful in 2021, it's going to take a throwback year for Matt Ryan, where he's a fringe MVP candidate. It's going to have to take Calvin Ridley taking another step and being considered one of the top receivers in the NFL and Kyle Pitts probably being offensive rookie of the year. That's what we're going to be talking about if the Atlanta Falcons are surprising and are contending for a wild card spot come December this year. That's how I view them possibly being successful. I do like, <laughs> I, I mean, they, and this is from a guy who's picked Atlanta to win the Super Bowl in recent memory, who always thought, you know, those years when they weren't in the playoffs, that they were an underachieving team. This year, this team is in a different spot. They're going to be a dangerous team when, whenever who plays them, because still with, even though Matt Ryan is older, he's at the later stages of his career, this is a team that I still think can put up points in the, in the passing game. So they're going to be a da- they're going to be a dangerous team every single weekend, and I do like what they did in the draft. Not only with Kyle Pitts, but getting a guy in Richie Grant, a safety from UCF, who is probably going to step in and be a day one starter for this football team. So I do like what they did there, as far as you know, starting to rebuild and getting young players onto this team and getting out of the cap hell that forced them to trade Julio Jones, but just. In the NFC, we've talked about it in recent podcasts. It is weaker, so Atlanta could possibly be a surprise team, but with a weak defense, an aging quarterback, and a weak offensive line, I just don't know. When, you, when you're looking at a team that wasn't good last year and it feels like they still lost more than they gained, I don't think Atlanta, I don't think we're in a position where Atlanta is going to have the number one pick in, in next year's draft, but maybe, I mean, it's too early to make predictions, but I think we're, looking at, I think, I think we're looking at an over under as far as wins go at what, five and a half, six and a half, somewhere in there. Yeah, no, absolutely. The, the idea of discussing wild card about them especially after what's happened over the last three years. Think about it. The last two years prior to last year, back-to-back seven to nine seasons with, with a decent football team. I mean, with running backs, with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley coming into his own. And then last year they went four and 12. I mentioned Julio getting hurt and they lost. I want Still to say had better games. running backs last year too. Yes. And they lost eight games last year by a touchdown or less. Now, that could be that could be taken two ways. One way is, well, you know, you're one play away from you know winning a football game, and that kind of leans you towards maybe taking the the over when it comes to win totals. You know, if the win total six or seven, you might think, oh wow, you know, they won four last year, but they lost eight games by a touchdown or less. All you got to do is make one more play. But the reality is, the way you should be thinking is they made enough plays to lose football games. That's what losing teams do. We can brag about teams losing by a touchdown or less all you want. Bottom line is they, didn't, they made enough plays 
to not win the football game. <laughs> they lost. They lost. That's Which is why Dan Quinn isn't their coach anymore. But losing teams do that, man. We watched it here for three plus years under Dirk Cutter, 5-11, 5-11, 5-11. And what did we do on Sundays? We dissected the one play or the one drive that led to a game by seven points or less when it came to the Buccaneers. But you, what do we call it, too, right? Bucks yeah. beating the Bucks. Right? Guess what? That's what bad football teams do. So the Falcons may not have a fancy name for it, like we had here in Tampa Bay, but the bottom line is that's what bad football teams do. So losing games by seven points or less, whether it be six or seven games or eight games like the Falcons last year, that's what bad football teams do, man. So I don't I wouldn't discuss them with being in a wild card. They went four and twelve last year. If they're lucky, they might win five games or maybe six and carry up the rear when it comes to the NFC South. How much do you think Matt Ryan has left? It's going to be 36 this season. Still has, including this year, three more years left on his contract. Uh, this year is his le- least cap hit. The next two years, his cap hit is $48 million and $43 million. There's a potential out in his contract this offseason, but there's still $40 million in dead cap for Atlanta to get out from under a Matt Ryan's contract. Do you think that he's, he's still in Atlanta for That's, the duration of this contract? Or do you think mid-season or next offseason, are we talking about this being Matt Ryan's last year in Atlanta? I think he should be. Yeah. Um, I think the main reason why he's still there is because of the, the, the dead cap money, because you, you couldn't do it twice, right? You couldn't do it with Julio and him. You couldn't take those cap hits, both those guys in the same, in the same year. So I think that's the main reason why he's still there. Otherwise, why not blow it up? Because basically, I mean, other than the quarterback position and the wide receiver position, what's stable on this football team? What is what is stable on this football team? You can't tell me anything else. You can't tell mm-hmm. me there's questions everywhere else. I'm talking about where there's no questions. And even with Matt Ryan, there's questions on whether or not he can be as productive as he was last year. And granted, he only threw for like 26 touchdowns, but he only had 11 picks and he threw for over 4,000 yards. That's pretty productive. But again, when it comes to the quarterback and wide receiver, you know, one wide receiver and your quarterback are the clear cut things that are stable on this football team. Other than those two things, there aren't, is not a whole lot of stability when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons, which is why you question whether or not they should have traded Matt Ryan this offseason. But the reason why they didn't, because, because you couldn't take both those cap hits in the same offseason. I mean, maybe we there, the, the argument should have been, should they have traded Ryan instead of Julio Jones. I mean, they were one guy said he wanted to go. The other guy didn't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they were still, they were, they were attached to uh, Trey Lance leading up to the draft, but San Francisco ends up taking Trey Lance one spot ahead of them. I think if Trey Lance is there at number four, I think it's a little bit more of a discussion, even though Ryan's contract does muddle it up a little bit. Cause there's not much that, you can do as far as far as that contract goes but I do think 
you mentioned how productive he was last year. Look at some of these teams. We talked about the top 40 quarterback list. Matt Ryan was still in the top half of that. If you're talking about uh, Chicago, obviously drafted Justin Fields this year. But if you were talking about this offseason, Matt Ryan would have been a lot more attractive option for them than an Andy Dalton. I think, you know, if Matt Ryan was fully on the trade market, I don't know how much less desirable he would have been even than a Matthew Stafford. So obviously the roster around Matt Ryan isn't ready to win a Super Bowl again or even get to a Super Bowl or get to the playoffs. But I do think we're not talking about a situation where Matt Ryan is flat out done. And I do think that after this season, as long as he doesn't regress tremendously, I think you're going to look into next season, especially if Atlanta were to release him or be willing to take that full cap hit in a trade. I think there will be uh, some interested parties in getting Matt Ryan for a team that is a lot closer to winning than what Atlanta is right now. No, he, he hasn't shown you. Absolutely. He hasn't shown you anything that says to you that he can't be as productive as he was last year. He hasn't done that yet. He hasn't hit that point uh, in his career where you, okay, here comes a downslide. No, he hasn't done that. But here's the thing that we need to think about too, is that this is his first year with a new head coach that's going to be running this team the way he's going to be running this team. And that's Arthur Smith. And based off of what we discussed already, there may be a way that Arthur Smith wants to run his offense. And it may not fit Matt Ryan the way he plays his game. And Arthur Smith may want to mold his team more like the Tennessee Titans and find that running back like he had in Derrick Henry. I'm not saying as far as the productivity and a prototype 6'2", 6'3", 240-pound monster that Derrick Henry is, but a guy that can carry the load like Derrick Henry so that he can help this defense that isn't that very good. But if that's and, the case, wouldn't shouldn't they have gone after a running back or in the draft or free agency or even talk you to Todd? Take, uh, who, well, I mean, no, no, no. I'm not saying it four, but I'm saying okay. even, even in the I mean, second or third round. I mean, look at their look at their running back. Got position. a lot of if holes to fill. You got a lot of holes if, to fill. If they're drafting in the top ten next year and there's a, a sexy back, people are going to attach them to to Atlanta moving forward. Oh, they better attach them to a quarterback. That's what they better do because because that's no the, no no. I agree. I agree because that's the next thing. Their parents got to be got to be accounted. For. They didn't take a flyer yeah, on was, anyone. They brought in Felipe Franks, but it's not like they drafted a a, a Kyle Trask or any of the guys. Yeah, again, later no, the they, don't the <laughs> they don't have their parents. They don't have their parents. But here's the thing, and you brought up you brought up Trey Lance. Even with drafting Trey Lance, and obviously you wouldn't have Kyle Pitts on your football team, but even with this questions about Lance, about, about how long he's going to have to take to develop into being a, a quarterback, starting quarterback in the NFL. Which might have been a smart I mean, thing if you have yeah, a Ryan on your roster who, you know, who isn't necessarily going to retire in one year. Granted, but it's all it's all a matter of, of where you think your football team is. Because, listen – as as much credit and, and as much credit they do, and as much credit we give head coaches and, and directors of player development and general managers, they screw up too. So they may think in terms of we're closer than you and I think they are. And and, and far be it from us 
to question them <laughs> until we play Monday morning quarterback and we get down to the end of the season and we see, see, we told you, the team was a 5-11 team or 5-12 and team. You weren't good enough. But right now we're sitting here telling, telling you then we think they're not good enough. They may think otherwise, which is why they may have drafted Kyle Pitts and they, and they think that Mike Davis can give them what they need at least this year. So that's why they didn't maybe address the running back position in the draft and they addressed it other needs that they have. Again, that's the, obviously that's, that's their plan. No, when I've got, talked I mean, about how much it I, may not I, be right. It may not be right, but it's their plan. I like the players that they took in the draft. I think Kyle puts his, Pitts is going to be a damn good NFL tight end. And I really like Richie Grant as well on the defensive side. It's just a matter of when you're, when you're in the cap situation that you're in, when you're the Atlanta Falcons and you're having to trade away Julio Jones and you're having to let Alex Matt go uh, and things like that. If you still had those guys on this team and you made those additions to the team, then we're talking, okay, maybe this team, you know, is the team. Cause you mentioned it when you're looking at the team, that's going to the surprise team, the next, the next year in the NFL, there the close games is one of the one of the areas where you always look at and if you're losing these close games you can turn it around in short order if you make the right changes and you have the right breaks go your way in in games but Atlanta just doesn't look like that even though they had a good draft in my opinion because of what they lost now next week as I said we're going to move from worst to first so we'll talk about the Carolina Panthers Big changes for them again as they trade away Teddy Bridgewater to the Denver Broncos and bring in Sam Darnold to be their new quarterback. What do we think about their chances in 2021 in their second year under Matt Rule and Joe Brady? Quick news item before we uh, get out of here today. Monty Kiffin uh, is the Ring of Honor addition this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Great defensive coordinator, and he will go into the ring of honor on September 19th against the aforementioned Atlanta Falcons. This has been Downey and Martez. He is Lynn Martez. I am Trey Downey. Follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore nation and check out BucksNation.com for all of your latest and greatest on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Next week, we continue our trip around the NFC South with the Carolina Panthers. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.